0: In Matthew 7. Let's come and sit down, lads, at the back. I'm about to get personal. Page 919. Having said last week, intro the talk saying um, that was our last talk looking at the Sermon on the Mount, Um, that was before uh, I felt the Lord sort of speak to me a bit more about some other stuff in the Sermon on the Mount that we didn't really look at. So uh, if you'll uh, permit me one final um, escapade into this incredible sermon uh, that the Lord gave um, on the side of that mountain, then uh, that would be tremendous. Let's read from verse 15 of chapter 7. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. By their fruit you will recognize them. Do people pick grapes from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? Likewise, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, and a bad tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus, by their fruit, you will recognize them. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of my Father who is in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? Then I will tell them plainly, I never knew you. Away from me, you evildoers. Let's keep that page open. Going to be looking at it this evening. Um, And let's pray together just as we sit. Lord, we thank you for these Amazing words, challenging words, sobering words. But words said with love. The love of our Savior. The one who wants our best. And wants us to walk fully into our salvation till the day we see you face to face. Thank you for these words. And we ask for your help now as we look at them. Holy Spirit, would you open our eyes Would you give us minds that understand and hearts that are willing to respond? In Jesus' name, amen. Just give me a wave if you were here last week at the five or at some point. Okay, so maybe half, maybe half are missing. We were looking at the two verses that come just before this section that we read. Just have a look down at verse 13 and 14, the narrow and wide gates. It says, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. You thought tonight's reading was quite challenging. I mean, try that one. It was was quite full on last week, wasn't it? It's quite quite strong. Just Jesus is is strong. He's quite full on. I guess he's God. He, He has the right to be. But we were looking last week at the narrow gate, the narrow road that we are called to follow, choose, walk down as disciples of Jesus Christ. And we were looking at how, how hard it can be that we put our faith in Jesus, we come to him, and he is the one who says, I am the gate. He says that in John chapter 10. Amazing, we saw that last week, didn't we? That this isn't a gate made of stone, it's not made of timber, it's not made of steel. It's made of flesh and blood because the gate is Jesus Christ himself. And coming to him, choosing him is choosing to put all of our trust, all of our faith, almost all of our weight. Imagine that game where you fall backwards. You trust someone to catch you. That's what it is. It's it's putting all of your spiritual weight on Jesus. Choosing him and only him to be your gate. Choosing that road that narrow path And we saw because it's him it's about this wide its shoulder width because it's a person and that's good news not indifferent not uncompassionate not unloving or in, unsympathetic but love itself and truth itself and as we enter we're called to to walk the narrow path the narrow path that ultimately will lead to salvation until one day we see Jesus face to face but it's a challenging path it's narrow, we're hemmed in cliffs either side, Needing to take off our, our baggage, our rucksacks any pride, any of our own deeds or strength or we can do this ourselves, no we need to come humbly we need to come and trust in Jesus alone and his mercy and then we need to walk that path it's difficult and you might think well how do I do that, how do I do that alone And the, the good news is Part of the good news is that um, we're not meant to do it alone. We have one another. And we also have guides. God has given his church guides. It speaks about them here. Prophets. going to see about the false prophets in a moment. But God has given his church, his people, he has always given them prophets. Those who point the direction. Say, this is the way. Walk in it. Do not diverge to the left or the right. That's the job of a prophet, of a good prophet. Teachers, preachers in the church, pastors, shepherds of God's people throughout history. This is what a guide is for. And this is what we're looking at tonight. And there's warnings. There's Thank God for warnings in Scripture, don't you think? Sometimes we think, oh, we just want to hear the good stuff, the soft stuff, the lovey-dovey stuff. But the warnings keeps us honest, keeps us true, keeps us on the straight and narrow. And Jesus was not afraid to give warnings. And he gives another warning here. He says, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. Guys, we need to recognize and realize that we are on a path, but it is a dangerous path. And we can get knocked on course if we are not careful. So the first thing I want to say tonight is we need to check our guides. Check your guides. What do I mean by that? I mean, check the people that you're listening to, that you allow allowed to speak into your life. Your pastors. Check, check me. Check Tim. Check the online preachers you're listening to. Check the authors whose books you're reading. Because the sobering truth is that Jesus says that there are prophets, there are pastors, there are shepherds in his church. But not all of them are singing from the same song sheet. They may look the same. They may sound the same in many ways. But they can deviate even slightly and lead you off course completely. That's the warning we see here. Watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing. You know, you've probably read that scripture a number of times, right? Even heard it preached on. I mean, what do we naturally think when we read that? I have to confess, I think I'd always interpreted that as meaning that, yeah, wolves, bad people come, um, come amongst us and they're here, but what they do is they like to dress as sheep. Because we're sheep, aren't we? That's how we get described. We're the sheep of the Lord's pasture. He is the good shepherd. We're his sheep. So what the wolves do is they come and they, they clothe themselves in sort of a sheep cloth. You know, and all the wool that you find on sort of brambles and hedges. And how do they lose so much wool? But they, the wolves, they gather it and they put it on. They stick it on and they got the sort of sheep's head over theirs. And they get in amongst the flock. And they get down on all fours and they're sort of pretending to eat grass. Because they're not herbivores, they're carnivores. And, they, and when they get close enough, that's when they show their true colors. And they rise up and they, they bite, they attack, they kill, they destroy. They devour the sheep. Why? Because they're ferocious wolves. They're hungry for sheep. That's how we've interpreted it, no? That wolves dress as sheep. But the even scarier thought here that I learned this week, reading another man's um, sermon on this very topic actually, was that the context Jesus is speaking into is that of leadership. It's speaking about shepherds. It's speaking about guides. Those guides that we need. You know. You go skiing, number of us going to St. Dee's Ski Party, happening in a month's time. Uh, still space if you want to join, see me afterwards. Uh, but if you want to do anything dangerous, you want to do anything alternative, you want to head away from the pisted runs, go off piste, hit the powder, I don't know, get the cool ones, uh, you want a guide normally, don't you? You want someone who knows the mountain. And you don't just want any old Tom, Dick or Harry, you want to check his CV. You know, it's not something you talk about in the bar the night before. Like, it'd be great to just get to that area we've seen on the other side of the mountain. Some guy, you know, he's had a few beers and he's like, yeah, I'll take you. I know this area. You wouldn't just say yes. You check his CV. You check his qualification. Do you know where you're going? couple in here tonight, they come, they join us for worship, two lovely kids, and then they head home. You've got to get the kids bath to bed. They were in teen this last week. You read about that? Four snowboarders, a guide, killed by an avalanche. Even with an experienced leader, even with an experienced guide. It's dangerous on the mountain. You need experts, you need guides. That's why God's given them to his church. But the scary thing here is Jesus says, there will be those who come amongst you who dress in sheep's clothing. He's not talking about a wolf pretending to be a sheep. He's talking about a man, a leader, pretending to be a shepherd. You see, the sheep's clothing, that's not someone on all fours. That's, that's someone on two legs, walking upright, pretending to be a shepherd. Because that's what shepherds wore back then. That was just their outfit. I mean, we, we make, wear plenty of wool today. Especially during the winter months. And we were wearing a sheep's clothing, you know, sheep coat today. This is what they're wearing back then. This was the shepherd's outfit. This is describing a shepherd, not a sheep. And that should sober us up. That should make us take stock and go, whoa. Because a shepherd has far more influence than a sheep. And yet this person comes amongst the flock looks like the shepherd, even sounds or says the same kind of things as the shepherd, and yet Jesus says they are false prophets, they are false guides. So tonight, as we head towards Lent, which is going to be an amazing time for us as a church, just to, just to take stock, just to examine our lives. You know that verse we looked at last week? It says, examine yourselves to see whether you're in the faith. That's what Lent's a great chance to do, just to, to lay some things down, to take some things up, to make sure we're on the straight and narrow, that we're listening to the right shepherd. Jesus says there are ferocious wolves out there. And what does a wolf eat? They eat the sheep, don't they? So what I felt the Lord speak to me about this week was was looking out for those within the church worldwide, those teachers, preachers, evangelists, leaders, Not just heretics, not just those who we we can spot easily. This isn't talking about those who come along and say, I don't believe in the resurrection, Jesus didn't rise, he was a great guy. You know, we know to write those guys off, right? We know they're off beam. Jesus here is talking about those who look the same, who smell the same, who wear the same outfit. Seem like the real deal. He's warning us about them because they're ferocious. And just as a wolf would seek to devour and eat a sheep, the characteristic of a false prophet is one who is in it for themselves. The one who's also hungry for sheep, but in a different way. Does that make sense? I mean, it's it's tempting, guys, in church leadership, it is tempting... Because it's a tough, it's a tough gospel, isn't it? It's a tough message. It's tempting to water it down. It's tempting to not talk about certain topics, to put them off, to look at a scripture and go thus far, but then oh gosh, that's a bit awkward, isn't it? Talks about judgment or hell or sin. Ee. Let's just sideline that. Let's keep it nice, keep it fluffy, give the people what they want, and keep them coming. Why? Because we're human. And I say that as a leader, I say that as a pastor, as a shepherd, that it is tempting to give you, to give the world what I think it might want to hear, an easier, watered-down message that's less challenging, that will ask less of our lives, that won't speak or reflect or echo the message of Christ to take up our cross and follow him, to kill our flesh, to lay down our lives, to love Jesus above all else, even mother, father, sister, brother, it's tempting to choose the way of the false prophet, the false guide, because it's tempting to build up our congregations, to see more sheep come in through the doors. The statistics are pretty depressing, aren't they, about the church, especially the Church of England. I mean, what a mess it's in sometimes. And we want to we tell a different story. We want to have full buildings. If we don't want the few, we want many And don't we see that in the church? Don't we hear those messages coming out from various preachers, various prophets, various evangelists appealing for for money, selling uh, perhaps a different message, one that you were used to, that you were raised with, that's challenging, that's cross-shaped. It's not afraid to talk about cost and suffering and sacrifice. Those messages are out there. You can find them. Just Google it. A health, wealth, prosperity gospel. That is tempting. And that is the message of the false prophet. Why? Because he's hungry for sheep. He's hungry for numbers. He's hungry for followers. I mean, we live in the social media age, don't we? Who here doesn't love an extra follower? Oh, gosh. So-and-so started following me on Twitter. Amazing. Why isn't it more? I mean, that's what's going on, isn't it? 13 likes. he would get it up to 20 by the end of the night. I mean, we're all as addicted to dopamine as, as the next person. It's, it's tempting. We want followers. We don't want to lose followers. <laughs> what? Why? I'm down to 108. I was 109. We hate that stuff. We live in a society that wants more, that craves popularity. And it's just the same for the church. And that is the temptation for leadership, for shepherds in the church. But Jesus says that those who take that path, those who are inwardly ferocious wolves and hungry for sheep, and sheep alone to satisfy something in them. They That is the behavior of the false prophet. They are displaying aspects of being a false guide. And we are to look out for it. You know, I love that song. Have you been to um, morning church here before? You know the song Wolfie Wolfie? We sort of made a cult hero out of Wolfie Wolfie. It's a slight irony and a slight theological... Um, car crash going on, where <laughs> children leave the building, sort of singing, whistling, Wolfie, Wolfie, can't wait to meet him. You're like, no, because we know the lyrics, like, Wolfie, Wolfie. Can we sing along? Who are yeah? Who are yeah? Who are yeah? Who are Wolfie, Wolfie, hey, hey, Wolfie, Wolfie. Yeah. Wolfie, Wolfie. And those are the lyrics, it's like, Wolfie, Wolfie, who are you? Well, it could be me, quite frankly. No? I mean, what, that, it's asking a It's saying, who are you? Who are you, actually, Wolfie, Wolfie? And the passage, Jesus here is saying, the wolf could be your own pastor. Could be your own guide. Could be your own shepherd. So I tell you again, check your guides. Check those you're listening to. Check me. Check Tim. Look at our lives. Look at our doctrine. Challenge us. And stuff we're doing, are you doing that because you're hungry for sheep? Because you're ravenous, Pat, Tim. Or are you doing it for the good of the sheep? Because you love them. You're not afraid to give them the, the tough stuff. You know, Jesus, Jesus is the good shepherd. Amen. He says, I am the gate. I am the door. The, sh- the sheep will come into the pen through me. They will find pasture. I am the good shepherd who lays his life down for the sheep. He doesn't take. He gives. You know, in his ministry, it's crazy. He, he once preached a sermon. We're celebrating communion, Eucharist, in just a few minutes. And Jesus once, he preached a sermon explaining how we need to eat his body and drink his blood. Okay? We now hear it. And of course, the Eucharist uh, is talking about communion. If you heard it for the first time, you wouldn't think that. You wouldn't know that, would you? You'd think, and I'm off. <laughs> And that's what thousands of people did. His social media account just dropped off a cliff. He lost thousands of followers. Why? Why was he happy to do that? Because he wasn't hungry for sheep. He was hungry for the glory of his father. And he wanted his sheep to know the truth. And he was willing to give them the truth, no matter what it costs. So check your guides. Look at us. Look at me. Look at Tim. Look at your life group leaders. Make sure, hold us to account. We need to sharpen one another because it can be easy to, to adopt a different message. It can be easier to say something that the world is, is happier with, more content with, that's less controversial, that brings less conflict. You see the stuff in the news this week from General Synod. Anyone on top of that? So, just to bring you up to speed, um, the last three years, uh, the bishops in the Church of England have been having co- ongoing conversations um, uh, about gay marriage and about the, the whole area of human sexuality and flourishing. And it's a very sensitive issue. Uh, and it is delicate and it's difficult. They've had three years and then they've put together a report where they share their opinion, their view on the right way to progress forward as a church, trying to hold everyone together as much as possible. The amazing thing is... Uh, I'm honest, expected the bishops to buckle, but they held the line. They held to Scripture's view that marriage is between one man, one woman, for life. And that's essentially what was put forward, along with some other stuff, in this report. It went to General Synod, and General Synod vote on whether to listen to the report in terms of their ongoing conversations. So even before they listen, they need to vote on whether they're going to listen. There's three houses. There's the House of Laity, that's you guys. There's the house of clergy, that's people like me, Tim, people with dog collars. And there's the house of bishops. I once was laity, I'm now clergy, and one day, I'm joking. I'm absolutely, I would, I, oh Lord, please, no. The house of laity, you guys voted to listen to the report. The house of bishops who wrote the report, well, you'll be pleased to hear they voted for it. Like, yeah, I think it's worth listening to. The house of clergy, the shepherds of God's people, of the flock, voted against it. Voted not to listen to it, to ignore it. This is how real these words of Jesus are in our own day and age, in our own church, this is what we need to pay attention to, guys. If, we, if you want to chat about all of that at the end a bit more, feel free to grab me. Be happy to chat. We can't dwell on it now, but thi- this is real life. There are true prophets and there are false prophets. There are good guides and there are bad guides who might very well lead you off the side of a mountain. So check your guides. Check your guides. And finally, check yourself. It's not enough just to come to church. not enough just to listen and get in line with what Tim says, what the bishop says, what this online preacher says. You need to take responsibility for your own life as a sheep in Christ's flock. He is the good shepherd. He, He leads us beside quiet waters. You know Psalm 23? I mean, don't you occasionally, isn't that what you long? I long for that. Quiet waters. It's a noisy world. It's a hectic world. I tell you what, I'm close to going to the recovery course myself because I recognise a- addictive patterns in myself when it comes to social media. I mean, anyone else? I'm in a terrible habit of last thing at night. Just the scrolling. The end. And, and you can find you're, you just not even. You're just like, I'm just scrolling. <laughs> we need quiet waters. We need the Lord. It says, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Oh, how I draw comfort from that. Because I know I'm a sheep. And I can be pretty thick, pretty stupid. And sometimes I don't know what's, what's good for me. Amen? It is the same for you. And okay. <laughs> but it says the Lord, he, he makes us lie down. In other words, he finds good pasture. He says, let's stop here, sheep. And they want to wriggle off and head off down the stream or something. And he's like, no. Will lie down. The image of, of impressing on our backs, pushing us down into the grass, giving us rest. That's the kind of shepherd he is. He wants what's good for us. And ultimately, he wants us not to fear though we walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Why? Because his rod and his staff, they comfort us. Rods and staff are occasionally used to whack sheep, keep them in line, keep them from the edge of a cliff. Thank God for the good shepherd. This is who he is, but even with that, and even with teachers, good guides he gives us in the church, we need to take responsibility for our own lives. These are some of the most terrifying words in Scripture. That You read verse 22, look at that. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? When did you guys last prophesy? Did we not, in your name, drive out demons? Has anyone done that this weekend? Rhetorical. And in your name, perform many miracles. I'd love to perform one miracle, let alone many. I mean, the the guy's doing this. You walk into a a church where that's going on, you're going to think, these guys are the real deal, no? They've got Jesus. They've got the Spirit. They're like that with God. And yet Jesus says, on that day, I never knew you, away from me, you evildoers. Sobering words guys, check yourself, examine your life to see whether you're in the faith. The good news is there's a clue as to why these guys don't make it and why we can. Because in their answer to the Lord as to, why are we not getting in? We've done this, we've done that, we've done the other. They're pointed to things they've done. Their hope and trust is in their deeds. It's in their life. It's in their strengths. It's in their gifts. Do you see that? And Jesus says, I never knew you. Because what he says to the person he does know is, well done, good and faithful servant. Because you chose to put your trust in me. And me alone. You chose not to trust in yourself, in your own strength, in your own gifts. In what you did, the holy, righteous life you supposedly lived. He says, only the one who does the will of my Father. What's the Father's will? Jesus tells us to believe in the one he has sent. So guys, do an inventory this Lent as we come towards it in a couple of weeks' time. Great chance for us to strip things back, for us to really take a look See what we're building the house of our lives on. Is it rock? The rock of Christ and Christ alone. Or is it sand? The many granules of good deeds and efforts and gifts that we think we have. It's real stuff. Challenging stuff. But life changing. So check your guides, check yourself, choose to follow the good shepherd and him alone, the one who lays down his life for the sheep, the one who shed his blood, who allowed his body to be broken, to bring us home to the Father, that all who look to him might be saved. Amen. Would you like to stand? Come now to our time of Holy Communion and there's no clearer picture in all of Christianity of who the Good Shepherd is and his style of leadership, his style of guiding.